This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, November 14th, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. When your presidential legacy lives by the pen and the phone, it may also die by the pen and the phone. The latter part of President Obama's administration has been marked by not including Congress in various decisions, from clean power to deportations to Obamacare. Andrew Grossman, an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute, says much of that can be undone in President-elect Trump's first 100 days. President Obama and Congress did not play nice after the election of 2010. And so President Obama famously talked about uh, soldiering on with a pen and a phone. So what does that mean now that uh, Donald Trump has been elected president? It means everything. You know, live by the pen and the phone, die by the pen and the phone. The executive actions undertaken by the Obama administration in lieu of, of working with Congress to pass legislation are potentially all vulnerable to being undone uh, by a Trump administration in fairly short order. We're not talking months or years. We're talking a first 100 days agenda. All right. So to begin... Obviously, the Affordable Care Act is uh, looms large, and that is something that uh, Donald Trump campaigned on repealing. That's something that the House and Senate have been very keen on doing. They've passed repeal bills uh, dozens of times, if not more than 100 times, to uh, essentially uh, get rid of the law. But what could President Trump, as a regulatory matter, do to either speed that up or uh, at least stymie efforts to keep the law around. Uh, there's a lot that can be done, and the model for it really is what the Obama administration has done to date. Um, look, for example, at the individual mandate, where um, do, to maintain popularity for the law and avoid um, damaging political consequences, the administration delayed its imposition and um, created any number of regulatory exceptions. Uh, the Trump administration could potentially create, via regulation, uh, very broad-based uh, hardship exceptions that exempt more or less everybody from the individual mandate. Uh, the same is true of that grudging uh, accommodation that the Obama administration contrived for religiously motivated organizations that don't wish to provide uh, certain types of insurance coverage. Um, that can be entirely reworked in short order, um, as potentially even as part of a settlement for the large number of uh, lawsuits that are going on uh, over that policy. And you know, I think a third point uh, to note is the the cost-sharing payments uh, that the Obama administration has made to insurance companies to coerce them uh, and, and, and impel them to participate uh, in the the uh, individual market uh, program, uh, the so-called Obamacare exchanges. Um, Arguably, these are unlawful. That's something that a district court here in D.C. decided. And if the Trump administration were to adopt that view, those um, payments could stop overnight, and that would effectively accelerate the death spiral of the Obamacare system, uh, with the result that uh, Congress would simply have to act to repeal it and put something else in place. And let's be clear, th those cost-sharing payments were not authorized by Congress. Right, exactly. As the court held, uh, you know, they're noted. They're they, they're necessary to make the markets work, but at the same time, um, there's no actual legal authority for them. And you know, potentially, um, there's a very serious constitutional issue uh, lurking there uh, by the fact that the Obama administration has been making those payments. A court recently ruled that the CFPB's structure is unconstitutional. Does that play anything in, in, into what a president can do with without 
consulting Congress? It, it makes an enormous difference. Um, the CFPB, as conceived, um, would, would have been this enormously independent agency with broad-based authority over huge swaths of the economy um, and basically divorced from any type of presidential control. Uh, that means that if you have a new administration coming into office, they can't change the trajectory of the, of the uh, agency. But with this decision, should it hold, uh, the result is that uh, of direct presidential control uh, over the head of the agency. Uh, in fact, uh, Richard Cordray, the head of the agency, potentially could be dismissed uh, under the D.C. Circuit's dis uh, opinion uh, with the result that um, you know, a Trump administration could put in place uh, somebody that um, you know, hews more to its views. Now, uh, libertarians like immigration broadly, but there, and there are actions that uh, a President Trump would want to undo that the Obama administration did with regard to delayed action on uh, deportation of uh, young immigrants. Right. Obviously, libertarians are split on different types of immigration issues, but I think there is a broad consensus that the uh, executive actions that uh, President Obama took uh, on immigration um, probably exceed his constitutional authority and, and may even be in violation of statute as well. Those the uh, the so-called Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA, as well as the DAPA policy, these were implemented merely as executive memoranda, and those memoranda can be revoked in short order. All right. So what are some of the other regulatory issues where a President Trump could act quickly, uh, specifically with respect to uh, policies that Obama implemented as executive action? Well, it's the big ones. I mean, moving beyond Obamacare, you've got the Clean Power Plan, which was the EPA's plan to comprehensively regulate uh, electricity generation across the country. Um, it's currently uh, it was currently st uh, it was stayed by the Supreme Court, and there's a, a decision on its lawfulness pending before the D.C. Circuit. Um, that litigation can be settled. Uh, President Trump could come in on day one with an executive order that uh, asks that demands that the EPA cease um, acting to implement the Clean Power Plan and that it begin uh, a rulemaking. To, uh, to revoke it. Uh, on this and so many other air, uh, issues, the Obama administration relied on very aggressive statutory interpretations that few courts would find were actually compelled by the statutory text, the result being that a subsequent administration, like a Trump administration, can come in and adopt a different view of the statutory text. Uh, another area where you're likely to see something like that is under the Clean Water Act, the so-called Waters of the United States uh, rule, or WOTUS. Um, which many criticize for giving uh, federal authorities um, power over every puddle and uh, ditch uh, across the country. And we're not, we're not, you're not overstating it. <laughs> I just want to be clear, you're not overstating that when you say uh, every puddle and every ditch. Right. If, if, you, uh, if you've got some property and you want to build a house on it, um, if there's a puddle there that's a, perhaps, I guess, a persistent puddle, um, that's something where you would have to get a permit to do that under this WOTUS rule. That's something that can be uh, effectively uh, put, put aside uh, really just starting on day one. There have to be some other minor, more minor issues that are not as big issues that could nonetheless be uh, uh, thrown out. Uh, under a President Trump. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't use the word minor. I think there are some pretty major things. But let me just give you a laundry list. Um, there's the Department of Ener uh, Education's dear colleague letter uh, regarding um, colleges' obligation to resolve uh, sexual harassment and uh, sexual abuse uh, cases, which many have criticized uh, for violating due process norms. Um, there is the waiver of mandatory work requirements under the 1996 uh, Welfare Reform Act. Um, there's any number of executive orders that regulate 
state government contractors uh, in ways that the Obama administration simply couldn't get through Congress, um, typically to, to benefit labor unions. Um, there's the net neutrality rule. Um, really, all of these actions that were undertaken simply by executive fiat can be undone by executive fiat. And that makes this unlike any other presidential transition that we've ever seen. When Donald Trump speaks uh, or has spoken on the campaign trail, he has made it very clear that he's just talking about the last eight years, that he's just talking about exact executive actions that have been taken in the last eight years. So what does that mean? What difference does that make? There really is a limited look-back period here for a couple of reasons. One reason is that the Obama administration has relied so heavily on executive power, whereas previous administrations have worked with Congress to get their ideas, their policies wrought into law. It's much harder to change a law, but when a president does something on his own or an agency does it on its own, um, there really is the possibility that a subsequent administration can simply reverse it. Um, another thing is that the Obama administration, in a policy sense, has been so aggressive in furthering its agenda because it hasn't felt the need to work with Congress. And so you have uh, so many very controversial policies that it's enacted. Um, and I think a third reason is that the fact that it struck out on its own mean that meant that it had to adopt policies in a way that perhaps wasn't, it was half-baked. They couldn't control all of the details because they were hemmed in by statutes in certain respects. And the result was that a, a lot of policy uh, compromises from their point of view that uh, I think have proven somewhat unpopular. Um, these are going to be things that are, are likely to be on the chopping block. So why not reach back further? Well, the question is, you know, it's certainly possible with uh, longstanding executive orders, uh, regulations, but I think the focus now is going to be on what's happened over the past few years because that's where the attention is and that's what people are thinking about. And, and something that we discussed just briefly before uh, we started recording is the idea that uh, certain executive orders uh, stay in the Federal Register and then laws are written that accommodate those uh, executive orders. Well, you've got this huge body of, of outstanding law and tradition and practice that people are accustomed to. Um, you know, when you have an executive order of longstanding, when you have a particular practice under a statute of longstanding, uh, businesses adjust to it, people become used to it, and the costs and burdens of it are just baked into whatever it is that people do. And so when you talk about looking back, you know, farther back than eight years, um, there's a real question as to whether you're going to be upsetting settled expectations uh, that people may have. Really, the, ba the biggest bang for your buck uh, in terms of reducing burdens, redu reducing costs, and getting rid of controversial policies is going to be focused focusing on what's been done uh, just these past few years under the Obama administration. Andrew Grossman is an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.